This is my ninth bear market. The markets suck. I mean, who's kidding who? The cryptocurrency markets are down 70%. Bitcoin's down 50. I personally don't care. Okay, I'm locked and loaded. I'm going to grow my business. The applications are growing exponentially. Price activity is going against me. Most of it's inducted by the Fed's macro decisions. When all of that stuff relaxes, this will be the place that people need to be invested in. And so you just have to have the strength of personality to do that or not. Anthony Scaramucci, the founder of Skybridge Capital and one of the most colorful characters on Wall Street. Recorded in New York earlier this month, we discuss his firm's deal with Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto exchange FTX, why he remains bullish on the digital assets sector, and his negative outlook on hedge funds. We also delve into lessons learned from his decades in finance and short-lived tenure as President Trump's White House Communications Secretary. I'm Will Wainwright and this is Alternative Fund Insight. Before we begin, a reminder that you can follow AFI on LinkedIn for regular updates and visit www.alternativefundinsight.com to check out our interviews and analysis and sign up to the free weekly email. Anthony Scaramucci, thank you for joining me on Alternative Fund Insight today. It's great to be here in New York for the SALT conference. Let's start with the big news, the deal with FTX. Well, first of all, congratulations on your business, and thanks for coming back to Salt, Will. I would say that uh, the deal came about through how most deals come about, which is familiarity, connection, and then strategic opportunity. And so I'll go through all three of those. Uh, Sam and I got to know each other through a mutual friend. Uh, He decided he wanted to be a sponsor of the Salt Conference. He had heard great things about it. He came last year to this conference with his team. He was very impressed. Um, He asked if we could do a multiple-year deal with FTX and put conferences like this around the world. So we're Mm -hmm. doing them now in Singapore, Abu Dhabi, and we're doing one in the Bahamas. I don't know if you had a chance to come to that one, but we did one last April called Crypto Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And so we entered into a three-year deal, four conferences a year. And then as we started to work together, there was a lot of chemistry and a lot of connectivity. And so I had lunch with him on August 6th. Yeah, and this was on the cruise. Yeah, I was on the Disney cruise. Okay. And by the way, I was taking grief on Twitter that people said I'm trying to avoid my kids. I I rode the Aqua Mouse on the Disney Wish 12 straight hours. I mean, people give me a break. Okay, so I I was calling Sam from the cruise. I'm like, Sam, we're stopping in the Bahamas. We're going to be at the Bahamar Hotel. I'm going to get trapped at the water park unless you have lunch with me. You are a perfect alibi. My wife will totally accept you as an alibi. He's like, okay, great. No problem. (laughs) Where are we going? So we went to the uh, Mexican restaurant called Costa. And uh, we sat at the table outside. And we talked for two hours about the world, politics, geopolitics, his business, my business. And at the end of it, we looked at each other and said, you know, well, let's find a way to get closer. And he said, well, what if I buy a piece of your business? And so I said, well, I would love that because I think, you know, it would help us. It would boost our capital base. It would send a message to people about our strength. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously, I think we could. You know, I'm 34 years in 
business on Wall Street. I'm hoping I could avail some of my senior relationships to Sam. Not that he needs my help, frankly, because he can meet anybody. But I may have some relationship memory, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, decades of knowing somebody may, mm-hmm. may grease the skids a little bit. So, so we entered into the deal. Uh, first, first meeting, August 6th. Closing was last Thursday. So I'm not exactly sure what day that was, September 3rd or 4th or something like that. So right in time for the conference, as part of the deal, they're taking a 30% stake in Skybridge. It's going to be $40 million invested in crypto as a balance sheet yeah. investment. Mm-hmm. So it was a portion of the proceeds. So some of it went into our checking account, frankly, and some of it went into the uh, yeah the cryptocurrencies. Now, why do we do that? So mm-hmm. other pe- other people have gotten this wrong. So let's straighten it out on your podcast. There were no strings attached. That was a suggestion that my team made to me, which I liked, and so I suggested it to Sam, because mm-hmm. uh, I think we want to tell people that we are uh, high conviction in cryptocurrency, high conviction in the state of Web3. So we selected a portfolio of those secure you know, cryptocurrencies that we like and uh, made the investment. Digital assets sparked a lot of gains, but then a lot of losses. What is the outlook? Mm-hmm. Where do you see it going yeah. in the next three years? Well, it depends on your time frame. If you zoom out, it has been the best performing asset class in 10 years, at least Bitcoin has. If you zoom in and manage it day to day, it's been enormously volatile. I mean, Bitcoin has gotten up to a hundred vol asset if you look at it in terms of depending on whatever time unit that you're measuring it on. And so why is it so volatile? Uh, I mean, everybody has a different opinion. I can give you mine. Uh, it's volatile because it's a new technology. It's an emergent technology. The automobile industry was volatile. The steel industry was volatile. Caused the panic of 1907. Um, you pick the industry, internet, mm-hmm very volatile web one mm-hmm. uh, the nasdaq crash in march of 2000 i'm old enough to remember that 60 plus percent decline the 95 percent decline in amazon mm-hmm. uh, and yet look at amazon today so i think if you have the strength and the discipline to hang in there you're going to be re- well rewarded by these investments but you know people typically don't have that you know they they get scared and so everybody's a long-term investor to have short-term losses and the minute they have short-term losses, they uh, set their hair on fire, they run around a circle, and they yell at people like me. Mm-hmm. There has been negativity. You gave a briefing to the press where you mentioned the uh, the New York Post cartoon of you yeah, sinking, sinking yeah. under the, the weight frame, of, of crypto. It. So you frame that. Yeah, so I have this place like in my local town. It's like on my main street. Because you know, I'm from Long Island. And I've, other than going to Tufts and Harvard Law School, I've lived on Long Island my whole life and like literally two miles from where my parents raised me. So I'm like a hometown boy. I live in a relatively modest house. I'm not into all that, that BS. I mean, I'm a nouveau riche Italian, so I gotta have some hot cars, right? But I have like a, a modest house. So I'm pulling up to Bob's photo in Manhasset with the New York Post composite of me. I mean, I look absolutely terrible. I look like, you know, Tyrion Lannister. And, it, and, and, and I'm sinking in the boat. And just for people that are listening at home, I'm showing Will the goddamn picture right now, right? So there I am. I'm all truncated. I wish I owned that many Bitcoins as pushing the SS Mooch down, okay? But I went into Bob's photo. I said, I want you to blow this up, and I want you to beautifully frame it with museum glass. Why? Okay, because it's sending a message to people. Right in my office, which is where it is prominently displayed, 
The post may be right, in which case Bitcoin goes to zero and you'll write about my financial obituary. Or the post may be wrong, and we'll look at that later on in life and say, okay, you see how people can get things wrong. Okay, mm -hmm. now Jeff Bezos, they put a picture of him in a bomb, you know, one of those old-fashioned circular bombs with a fuse on the top, and it said Amazon.bomb. The age of this internet retailer is now over. Okay, well, they got that wrong. Okay, the, the cat shot himself into outer space a few months back, right? Mm -hmm. He took Captain Kirk with him on the second mission. So mm -hmm. to me, I've been humbled by life. I've been humbled by markets. I'm not saying I'm right. I could very well be wrong, at which point the steamroller will come and flatten me. But if I'm right, um, my investors are going to be very well rewarded because mm -hmm. this technology, in my opinion, is just better from a product point of view it is way better, and it's going to cause economic efficiencies, and it's going to cause a delayering of our economy, and a result of which I don't see how it's going away. I think it's un inevitable that these things exponentially grow. I think my take from the perspective of you know the experts I talk to on AFI is there's an awful lot of very intelligent people working on this. It's about the applications and when it gets built into the plumbing of financial services and, and other industries. And that's when there'll be that broader acceptance, I think. Yeah. But remember, you know, look at the Internet today comparatively. You know, you're a young guy. OK, but I was just tell you, in 1998, I had a wide box computer and I had a tethered mouse connected by a cord. Mm. And I was dialing in using a dial-up modem, and you could hear the whirring and the burring, and then it would take 35 seconds for my landing page to come on, and it was AOL. And uh, I could buy a, a book from Amazon, or maybe I could look up the news reports or check out the weather, but that was the internet. Now, what if I beamed in from 2022, 24 years later, and I said, well, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna have pipes and plumbing on the internet where we're gonna have billions of people streaming 4K video. Trillions of dollars of transactions are gonna take place on the internet. You're gonna have this whole social media application known as Web2 that's gonna to lead to companies worth several trillion dollars. All of that manifested itself over that period of time as all the progress and technology compounded upon each other. Mm -hmm. So I think we're back for Web3, cryptocurrencies, the blockchain, we're right there. We're like 1998. So just imagine what we'll be in 10 years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if I'm sitting here with you, and hopefully I'm, I am sitting here, uh, God willing, it'll be 2032, and this entire landscape will have dramatically changed. You'll probably be paying lots of your bills using your smartphone technology, using blockchain, Maybe it'll be a digital currency. It could be a digital pound or a stable coin that's uh, measured in pounds or a stable coin like Circle that's measured in U.S. dollars. And to me, uh, I think that's the future. I think it's inevitable. You're going to bypass things like American Express, MasterCard, and Visa. You're going to pay the waiter mm -hmm. at the restaurant directly, and it's going to lead to huge economic efficiencies and huge cost savings. Let's talk about hedge funds. So before they, they your, suck, by the way, hedge funds. But let's go. We'll talk about them. Before your 
political career. You made your name with Skybridge, investing in hedge funds. Yep. You've got a great network. You're still I getting a great well, speed. You didn't, you didn't say ill-fated political career. You could have said ill-fated Well, we're, we're going to come to the political uh, oh, career okay, in a no bit, problem. if that's okay. Yeah, just like a polite Brit. You could have said ill-fated. I, I would have absorbed it. So, hedge funds, what's the outlook now? Obviously, Skybridge is going to be investing less in them in the future. Are there strategies that you do like? So I don't see that, actually. So I, I, I think that's one of the misnomers about the deal. Now, we, we have about a third of our assets in cryptocurrency. Could we go to half of our assets? Certainly. But I still want to have a very robust hedge fund investment practice. Okay. I want to have a robust private equity practice. I've got, you know, I had lunch uh, yesterday with a few hedge fund managers. I had dinner with Steve Cohen last night, who's the owner of the Mets and mm -hmm. runs Point72. I got a three hundred plus million dollar position with him, which I've had for, you know, he he had closed down temporarily, but I had it on for multiple decades between SAC and Point Seventy Two. Mm -hmm. I'd like to keep it on for multiple decades. And my my point is is that we're going to have a hedge fund practice. We're going to be in private equity. We have a uh, ETF practice now. We launched an ETF last year successfully. Mm -hmm. We're about to launch two more. Of course, we're going to refile for our Bitcoin ETF, our cash ETF. Mm -hmm. which I suspect at some point the SEC or the CFTC, who's ever regulating that ultimately, will have to allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. It's already happening in Europe and in Canada, so I predict it will happen here. And so for me, I want this to be a cryptocurrency asset management company, but I also want it to still have some legacy positions mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the hedge funds. But the hedge funds suck. And they suck right now because of the over manipulation by central bankers. And that took place and started in 2008. It's still happening right now. Um, we're seeing the aftermath of this induction of heavy excess liquidity mm -hmm. by the central banks. Uh, the inflation numbers have gotten out of control because you had the perfect storm of excess dollar volume, disruption of the supply chain, and pent up consumer demand and you know, business demand, frankly, as a result of being trapped. Uh, most people were trapped in their houses as a result of COVID-19. So that combination of those things, a perfect storm, which is why you're getting these very big inflation prints. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm in Jeff Gunlock camp. Um, I think Jeff, who's one of the bond wizards of our time, believes that the Fed may become too aggressive in terms of raising rates with mm -hmm. the notion of taming inflation, but this inflation is frankly short term. It's not transitory, I think we've understood that, but I really don't believe it's systemic. I don't believe we're living in the 1970s. The technology that we have today is so sophisticated and so advanced that there's no way you could tell me that this is the 1970s. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. what do we know about technology? Technology deflates prices and so to me, I think this is a temporary phenomenon. I think we have to be very, very careful that we don't touch off a deflationary cycle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and just for your listeners, I think it's benefit to, to really understand deflation. You know, my, I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood. My mom you know, didn't go to college, but she's a wickedly smart woman. I walked into the house one day and she's like, I don't understand why deflation is a bad thing. I'm like, how do you even know about deflation? Well, I, I read about it here in the New York Post. I said, okay. The prices are going down. So if I go to the supermarket and the prices are going down, how is that a bad thing for me? So I had to think about it for a second. I said, well, it's not necessarily a bad thing for you that the prices are going down, but what happens in an economy that's loaded with a lot of debt, 
the prices are going down. That means also the goods and services, the wages are also going down. But let's say I have a $250,000 mortgage on my house and I'm making $70,000 a year, uh, but now I can only make $35,000 a year mm-hmm. because of deflation. Look at the situation with that with the house, the mm. debt, okay, doesn't go down. You have to pay the debt back with dollars that are worth more than the ones that you borrowed. That becomes impossible. That happened in the 1930s in the United States and Great Britain or the United Kingdom, and we saw a massive global depression as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So you gotta be really careful about in debt-laden the societies having deflation. And I think the Fed, um, you know, they'll probably move rates again. I understand why they're moving them, but they're going to have to start making an adjustment the other way in the next 6 to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And this over-exaggeration has caused the hedge fund practice, if you will, to be lackluster for the most part. Yeah. Should be good for macro now with this volatility, with different should, central bank really, approaches. It's really not going to be because of the unpredictability of the Fed. You know, right. the macro guys have done poorly. You know, they're, they're doing well right at this moment, but they've actually done poorly since 2008. Yeah. Okay. What seems to be working is multi-strat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about bear markets. Mm-hmm. You kicked off this conference by saying you've been through a few bear markets in your yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You've also, I think, since the nine last- Nine bear markets. Nine bear I'm markets. Old. The vast majority of those happened before you were the White House communications director. Seven of them. How did that experience help you prepare for the tough times of a bear market? Well, listen, I, mean, I got my doors blown off seven times prior to the White House. I think, I think the thing is when you're an entrepreneur, you know, uh, you have to recognize that a lot is going to go wrong. You're taking risk. So definitionally, what is risk? Risk is something's going to go wrong. You're going to get smacked in the face. You could buy Bitcoin at 60000 It goes to 17000 you know, that's mm-hmm. risk, volatility. You got smacked in the face. And so I've been smacked in the face for 30 years. Okay, so I had to deal with being smacked in the face. I think the biggest problem that people have is reading about themselves in the press where they are being eviscerated or obliterated. So mm-hmm. I will tell your listeners, if you're ever having a bad day, you should you know pick up the cell phone and call me. Okay, because let me tell you my day. Okay, on July 31st, 2017, I got my ass fired from the White House. Uh, I got fired at 9.07 a.m. I departed the White House at 2 p.m. And the news hit that I got fired, and it was literally like an avalanche. It was like an explosion. I was rolled in broken glass. Um, I was then salted with margarita salt, and then I got lit up by every late-night comedian, every cable news pundit. There must have been 40 global newspapers that put me on the front page and had me... uh, in a very negative caricature of myself. Mm. Okay, the Financial Times, I love the paper, but they had me as a Tony Soprano on the Potomac. Okay, somebody said I was a Jersey Shore cast member uh, in the White House, all this stupid nonsense. Mm. Then I was parodied on Saturday Night Live, but that was fine, I took it. Then they invited me to Saturday Night Live, and Alec Baldwin, who was playing Donald Trump, he had the Christmas tree of hate, and there was a picture of me on an ornament and I was going on the Christmas tree of hate, the Trump, and then they panned to me in the uh, audience, and there I was, and I was like red as a cherry, and everyone <laughs> was clapping and cheering, and you know. Yeah. So the, the, the point I'm making is you can either take that or you cannot, okay? That's just you, and you learn that about yourself when you get your ass fired like I did. Mm. Uh, but here's some advice for your listeners, okay? Own it, 
Okay, I never blamed anybody else for me getting fired. I said something stupid to somebody I trusted was a journalist. And Trump and John Kelly fired me, never took it personally. They had the, the right and responsibility to, to do that if that's what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm bringing all this up because I want people to hear that you can fail and bad things can happen to you uh, that are your fault, frankly, because it was my fault. Okay, and then you can own it and dust yourself off and get back to work. Yeah, and you subsequently you know? had uh, John Kelly speak at, yeah, at this, I've, at I've, this I've, event. I've done seven speaking events with General Kelly. Um, he's an American hero. He's a four-star general, U.S. Marines, a gold star family member, unfortunately. He lost one of his sons in, in the war in Iraq. Uh, and he's a total gentleman, and he's an American patriot. We probably soared each other in the beginning when I got fired, okay? But when he left the White House, I picked up the phone and called him. I said, listen, I'd like to invite you to Salt. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you the truth be told, he was here right now. He was like, he was a little nervous. Mm. He's like, oh, man, I don't want to go on stage with Anthony Scaramucci. What is he going to do? He's going to light me up or something? I'm like, dude, I have no intention of lighting you up, okay? I have no grudges, mm -hmm. okay? You're a great American. Uh, let's get to know each other. And so we built this fantastic relationship. I'm taking him uh, August, I'm sorry, October 6th and 7th to Mitt Romney's conference in Park City, Utah. Mm -hmm. I said to uh, Senator Romney, he said to me, well, who could we bring out here? I said, what if I interview General Kelly in front of everybody? He's like, oh, geez, that would be great. It's just a story about, okay, the relationship didn't start well, but look at where the relationship is today. My point to your listeners is life is fluid. Bad things happen. Bill Gates, he couldn't get the operating software perfected for IBM, and so he borrowed money from his dad, and he bought Digital Research's operating system. He changed it from DRDOS to MS-DOS. But Microsoft almost went out of business mm -hmm. as it was getting started. Every entrepreneur has this story. If you interview Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk in 2008 was getting obliterated. He put all his money from PayPal into two companies, SpaceX and something called Tesla. And he was getting annihilated, but he hung in there. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that's the message to people. You gotta hang in there in adversity. You can't let yourself get upset. Mm -hmm. This is my ninth bear market. Uh, the markets suck. I mean, I'm, who's kidding who? The cryptocurrency markets are down 70%. Bitcoin's down 50. Mm. I personally don't care. Okay, I'm locked and loaded. I'm gonna grow my business. The applications are growing exponentially. Price activity's going against me. Most of it's inducted by the Fed's macro decisions. When all of that stuff relaxes, this will be a place that people need to be invested in. Yeah. And so you just have to have the strength of personality to do that or not. Mm -hmm. So on politics, we've got a lot of listeners in Europe and the US political scene seems totally complex. It's a nightmare. Who knows what's going to happen next? No, I, love but you, I love you British guys though, you know, because you always try to find that like feathery word, like you know it's a nightmare over here and you're trying to say it's like complex. I mean, it's an unmitigated nightmare. Okay, quick fire. Will Trump run again? Yes. Will Biden run again? Yes. Should Biden run again? No. Who else could beat Trump? Well, Kamala Harris could not beat Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, Terry McAuliffe could beat Trump. Uh, any of these younger Democratic senators could beat Trump. Amy Klobuchar could beat Trump. Um, she's got to get the nomination, though. Um, the problem with our political system right now, among many problems, it's a popularity contest. It's not a hiring decision for the American people. So mm -hmm. it's a smash mouth reality television show now. Uh, and most of those politicians can't handle a beast like Donald Trump. Now, Joe Biden did a great job 
by doing very little. Mm. When Trump was attacking him and Trump was acting like a buffoon, he ignored him. That's the best strategy with somebody like Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, 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 if I were offering any candidate advice, ignore the guy, point out his weaknesses, point out that he was the Herbert Hoover, he lost the presidency, the House, and the Senate. He's the worst Republican candidate since Herbert Hoover. Uh, 21.7 million jobs were lost during his administration due to the fact that he totally mishandled the COVID-19 crisis. And so he's an unmitigated disaster. He's an incurious guy. He has no executive management skills. Mm -hmm. And if you get on that rhythm with him, you can beat him. Kamala Harris cannot beat him because she's a very nice person. She's probably very smart, but she's like watching paint dry. Okay, and these people that are voting, they like to be entertained by their candidates. And so you have to find somebody that's a little bit more forceful and that could be a little bit more persuasive. Mm-hmm. So final question, the deal with FTX, yeah. let's say the next few years goes really well, they end up taking their 85% mm-hmm. option. What's next for you in the next few years? Well, more salt conferences? Well, I a hope political so. run? Well, 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 listen, I mean, I, you know, it's 85% because I'd like to keep 15 of it. You know, I told Sam, you know, you are 30, but I think I'm 30. Okay, there's a very, not too big of a distinction between that in my mind. I, I want to work. I love working. I don't think my, my wife married me for lunch. She did marry me for better or worse, but definitely not for lunch. Okay, so I got to be out working. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it relates to a political career, I'm running for re-election in my marriage. Are you married, Will? I am, yes. Okay, so you know, you know, I had a tough time when I was in the White House. It was very well documented uh, by the tabloids. And mm. so Deirdre and I patched up our marriage. I love her. She loves me. I think a political career would probably lead to castration, possibly, okay? Uh, And I think it would be not great for my marriage. Now, I would never rule anything out because I'm not a politician, right? So I'm not Mm -hmm. one of these bozos that come on your podcast and say, oh, I'm never running for office, and then two weeks later announce that I'm running for office. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not the right person for this political environment because I don't fit into the boxes of these two parties. Okay, I have views that are Democratic-leaning, particularly mm-hmm. on women's rights and uh, progressive activity as it relates to race, religion, culture, sexual orientation, and the progress that's needed to make things fairer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have Republican views as it relates to common sense and business and uh, the, the, the way you'd have to run the government, okay? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not necessarily saying I would run it in austerity or anything like that. I mean, the Republicans have proved to be more profligate, frankly, than the Democrats. But I think you have to run it in a way, if I was ever going to run for office, you have to run it in a way that maximizes economic efficiency but promotes equality. Mm-hmm. I'm not for equal outcomes. I'm a guy, you know, died in the wall capitalist. But I do think this country, as rich as it is, needs to create a platform of equal opportunity for people. So if you're mm-hmm. born in a blue-collar neighborhood or an inner city, we got to at least get you to the starting block for the race. We can't have the kid that went to Eaton or Deerfield, which is an American boarding school, be you know 500 miles ahead of the kid yeah. that grew up in the inner city. It's just not fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so I have no problem with Elon Musk shooting himself in outer space. God bless him if he wants to do that. Although I don't think Elon will do that. Jeff did it. God bless him. No problem with all that. All about economic rent created, unequal economic outcomes. God bless you. But let's get these kids an opportunity to get going and create an aspirational life for themselves. And Mm -hmm. I think we have to figure out a way to do that. The country would never 
vote for me, though, because I don't fit into the boxes. I couldn't win the nomination in either party. Mm -hmm. you know? Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me today. It's great to be on with you. Thank you. Thank you to Anthony for joining me. If you enjoyed it, please leave a podcast rating or written review on your favoured platform. And you can head to www.alternativefundinsight.com for my five key takeaways from the Mooch. See you next time.